Hello and welcome to the Veg Grower Podcast. My name is Richard and I am on a mission to grow my fruit, vegetables and herbs in my allotment and my garden. If you are interested in growing your own food, then this is the podcast for you as I share my journey and my adventure into this fascinating hobby. Now, this week we've got a lot to get through from tidying up after the strong winds to sowing a variety of vegetables. And the main subject, of course, is why seeds fail sometimes. So with much ado, let's get on with it. It's Saturday the 15th of April 2023 today. And I am starting this week off in my garden here at home. Now things are progressing really nicely in the garden at home. I spent a bit of time basically tidying up the entire garden. We had a bit of a storm come through the other day and although it wasn't too bad, it obviously led to a bit of a, a mess. So I had a bit of a tidy up with that. It didn't take too long to be fair. But once things were tidied up, I then went over to the balcony garden. Now the balcony garden is something I built last year. And the idea behind this is to replicate a garden that would be typical for somebody who lives in a flat, doesn't have an out, much of an outdoor space other than a balcony. Now, what I did last year is I had two shelves, one at the back and one at the front that I was growing plants on to give me a bit of a, a vertical growing area. We also had hanging baskets as well as pots that hang over the edges. Well, what I discovered last year when I was trying to do this is that by squeezing between the two shelves, I was struggling to fit myself in. Now, the idea we had is to build a, a smaller shelf, of course, but what I actually ended up doing, and I set this up today, is I've set up on the very rear, which is the front of my shed, I've set up a vertical garden wall. Now this is basically a piece of material with lots of little pockets in it that hangs up on this garden wall. We plant into these pockets and let plants grow. So should, in theory, increase the amount of growing space. It's going to be limited, but I want to see just how well it does. It's not an ideal solution, but for the space that we've got here, bear in mind this is only sort of a metre wide by about two meters long it's not much space at all uh, using all available space including the vertical garden for me is quite essential and i think we can end up producing quite a bit of food out of it now i then moved over to the forced rhubarb as you know i talked about forced rhubarb a few weeks ago when i put a bin over one of my crowns today was a day that we harvested that rhubarb and i picked up quite a few stalks and i've got to say I tasted the rhubarb while I was picking it and it was so much better than the other stuff. A lot more tender, which meant I could bite into it easier, melted in the mouth easier, tasted sweeter with a little bit of acidity. It just tasted so nice. So this is definitely something I will be doing in the future. Unfortunately, this rhubarb crown, I'm not going to be able to use for the rest of this year. Here at home, that's not a problem. I've got one more crown next to it, which is open grown. And then down on the element, I've got several more crowns. So combination of all these rhubarbs mean we will not run out. 
Now I've also moved a pineapple guava plant that I've had in my back garden. I've moved it out to the front. I potted it up into a larger container, gave it a bit of feed and moved it out to the front. I've had this pineapple guava for a number of years. It's never yet produced. Who knows? Hopefully this year might be the year. I'm told that pineapple guava is very, very tasty if, if we can get it to fruit. I don't think I've ever even got it to flower. So fingers crossed this year that will be achieved. Now added to that, I've also been potting up a lot of my tomato plants. Tomatoes are growing really well now, especially in the greenhouse. They just need a bit more space for them to continue to grow. And they seem to be doing quite nicely. It's a little bit early to get them outside just yet. I would wait till about mid may before they go outside we might get some actually in the greenhouses over this next week but for now these plants are doing well they just need potting up every now and then in order to give them a bit more space i've also planted out some spinach as well the last of my spinach i've got one in a trough for the balcony garden but also some in the ground the, the spinach in the veggie pod is actually doing really well and we're harvesting some of those so it's all, all coming together and eating lots of nice little bits of food and plants that are moving on. Now I've also had a bit of a sowing session inside the greenhouse. I've been sowing cabbages, turnips, courgettes, French and runner beans, just getting those started off. It's that time of year, as I said, we won't be planting much out until the middle of May, but I just want to get these started so I've got something to go in. I tend not to plant seeds outside, but I do try and get them growing in the greenhouse so that when they are ready, they can go outside. Now, talking of sowing seeds, seeds can sometimes fail and it's something I see quite regularly despite our best efforts. Because of this, I wanted to go through a few reasons that I have found less seeds sometimes don't survive. Well, I'm here in my greenhouse here at home and as I said in the garden update, I've potted up a lot of my tomato plants and my chilli plants in order to encourage these to grow a little bit bigger. They certainly could do with a bit more space i'm not going to deny that but this means it gives me more room in which i can sow more seeds and i'm looking at sowing some more cabbages some more cauliflowers some turnips some courgettes some french and runner beans just to get these all ready for the growing season now seeds do sometimes fail and it's one of those things that I find to be really, really annoying. You spend all that time trying to sow these seeds, you've got this seed compost that you're trying to sow them up into and they fail. So why do seeds fail? It's a very interesting question and I think the best place to start is right at the beginning with the seed. Now Often when you buy packets of seeds, you will find they have written on them a use-by date. Now, the use-by date is not necessarily strictly true. It is known for seeds to germinate well after that use-by date. I've heard of people sowing seeds up to eight years after they're supposedly gone out of date and they have still germinated fine. But I usually use those use-by dates as a good guide. I do have plenty of seeds, so I don't really want to try keeping hold of seeds far beyond that use-by date. 
but leftover seeds we can always donate to charities or use in other ways or feed to the birds as well but yes out of date seeds or poorly stored seeds that's quite a critical factor when you buy your seeds from a garden center they're often are oh, looked after quite nicely they're indoors in a controlled environment when we throw them in the shed, the shed can be quite a damp environment, quite a cold environment, and it's not great for the storage of seeds. I actually store my seeds in an old fridge, and the idea being a fridge is insulated, so it holds onto a fairly constant temperature, and it also keeps it dry, and I throw in a few packets of the Celica gel that you often find that comes with electrical products to keep it dry in there. I just throw those into the fridge as well, and... It turns out it works quite nicely. I don't think I've ever had any seeds that have failed. Now, of course, if you are not buying seeds and you're relying on seeds that you've either saved yourself, it is possible that they have not been properly fertilised. By that I mean you get male and female of a seed. The seeds may not actually have the embryonic seedling inside them, so therefore they may not perform or may not produce anything. A good example of this is pumpkins. If you cut open a pumpkin you will see some thin seeds and some thick seeds. Usually the thicker seeds are the ones that are going to be best for germination. Seed quality is quite paramount. The storage of seeds and whether they are in date. The next thing that can sometimes cause problems is poor soil quality. Now seeds do tend to need a fairly good growing medium to germinate and establish their roots. If the soil is a bit too compacted, too acidic, too alkaline, it doesn't help the seed to germinate. I've often said with carrots or parsnips, people fail often with these because they try to sow them quite thinly on a hard clay soil like I have here. And because of that, the seeds cannot break through the hard clay soil. You get like a capping, a hard topping on the soil with clay and the seedling will have trouble breaking through that. That's why I often sow my carrots and my parsnips quite thickly so that they all work together to break through that capping. Now when it comes to sowing seeds in the greenhouse like I'm doing today, I usually use a seed compost with added perlite. Now the reason I use seed compost, seed compost is very very friable which means when a seedling breaks through it's not difficult for it to break through the soil surface. As it grows its roots, the roots don't have a hard time to make its way through that soil surface because it's very light and easy for it to go through. The perlite that I add to it also helps as well. Perlite is incredibly light. Vermiculite is another option as well. They're both very, very light and they act like a sponge. And in fact, some people will actually sow seeds and then just give them a covering with perlite or vermiculite over the top of a seed instead of soil in order to allow those seedlings to break through. Now something that we always do as well when we do sow our seeds is to firm the soil down just gently just so that the seed is in contact with the soil. That's quite an important thing. The, the seed needs the right conditions to germinate and by being in contact with the soil it helps to establish those good conditions.
Now, pests and diseases are another pretty difficult problem. What is known to happen, and this is something that I've discovered in my greenhouse this year, we can have seedlings that germinate, but then they are wiped out overnight by slugs and snails. And if you haven't kept an eye on your seedlings, or you haven't seen that they've germinated, because slugs and snails can do it pretty quickly you could think that your seedlings have not germinated when actually they have they've just been eaten by slugs and snails this is a, a tricky one to to deal with because slugs and snails are natural that we don't really want to kill them using any of the slug pellets that's something i really do hate but what I find is by going into my greenhouse every night and just picking a few slugs and snails and giving those to the chickens, we can control the numbers. And that's something I try and do. Obviously, nature outside is the best thing for controlling slugs and snails. In a greenhouse, that's not so easy. But other things that mice could come into and eat your seedlings as well, they, especially peas or beans, they're very partial to digging those up and eating them. I've even known squirrels to do the same sort of thing as well. So it could be that your seed has been stolen. And another thing that can happen is as seeds grow, particularly with members of the cucurbit family, so cucumbers, your courgettes, if they get wet on the stem, they can lead to stem rot. And if you don't see that, you can end up losing your entire plant. So when it comes to the cucurbits, what I always try and do is water from below. So I pot them in a tray of water and let them wick up through the soil. Now, the next reason could be the environmental factor. Seeds pretty much know when to germinate based on the amount of sunlight or the amount of temperature. And that gives them the signal of when to germinate. It could be we're sowing seeds too early. It could be we're sowing seeds too late. Uh, it could be they were sowing seeds too cold. It could be we're sowing seeds too warm. All these factors play in to why a seeds don't germinate. Added to that, humidity is the soil too wet or too dry and in some cases some seeds need to go through a process of stratification or scarification and some seeds also don't like to be covered to germinate, they need sunlight to germinate. All of these factors are pretty important thing to consider when it comes to sowing your seeds and what I always recommend with these is read the seed packet, see what it says on the back of the packet as to what it needs to germinate and react to that. Now, if you have saved your own seed, then you may not have a seed packet, of course, but there is information out there online that will help you figure these out. Now, the final reason could be, of course, human error. We all make mistakes and sometimes we just cannot help it and we may have sown our seeds too deep or too shallow may bury them too much under heavy mulch or forget to label them properly all of these human error mistakes are something that we can all make but you learn from your mistakes is what i always say and that's something i've taken on into my garden now all in all seed failure is just a natural part of gardening so don't be disheartened if it does happen to you it's something that even experienced gardeners deal with from time to time the key is to learn from our mistakes experiment with different methods and keep trying until we find out what works best for us and our gardens patience persistence and a little bit of luck we can end up enjoying some beautiful harvests later on in a year right let's head on down to the allotment to find out what's going on down there <coughs>
It's Sunday the 16th of April 2023 today and you join me down on the allotment. Now this week I haven't been able to get down here as much as I would have liked. I think Friday night I popped down here after work but we've had some, well, wet weather and even strong winds come through this week so that's prevented me from getting down to the allotment and I can say that the weeds certainly have grown in that week alone. Now, talking of the strong winds, I was expecting more damage to the greenhouses. Luckily, there was a couple of panes of glass that have broken. Nothing too serious. Uh, I've collected more glass this week as well. So we're slowly getting there with getting Tim's greenhouse into place. The granddad's greenhouse, I'm going to be um, getting tomatoes in here very, very soon because I think that is going to be ready. So that's what I've been up to during the week down here. Like I said, I would like to come down here a lot more because then I can tackle a lot of the, the boring tasks, as I like to call them. But today I came down here and I came with my strimmer and lawnmower. And the first thing I did was just went round cutting the grass and using the grass as a mulch. Now the grass is growing pretty heavy at the moment pretty fast so mowing the grass is something that I'm going to have to do on a weekly basis now I did spend about an hour cutting the grass and I probably could have done a bit longer before I run out of batteries I have four different batteries that I use down here but when they all get used up there's nothing more I can do I like the battery lawnmowers, of course, but the problem is, of course, you need to be able to charge them or have several batteries for it to really do the job. Not a huge problem. At this time of year, the grass is a little bit wet, so it does mulch up, and the lawnmowers then have to work a little bit harder to cut through the grass. Once we get into May, June, July, it should get a little bit easier. But yes, I took all those grass clippings and I've mulched more of my onions with those. This is something I will be doing right throughout the year. I found grass clippings to be a really good idea for mulching many, many plants. I just lay it on the ground around the plants. It acts as like a shade, so it locks in some of that moisture. It suppresses any weeds and it helps, in the case of onions, to grow bigger onions. Like I said, I will be mulching all my other plants. So once I've done my onions, the garlics will be mulched. Then the third lot of onions. Then we'll move on down through the potatoes and the peas and the beans and everything else that will be growing down here. It's certainly a busy time of year, to say the least, with all these tasks. Now, I haven't actually been sowing any seeds or even getting seeds planted down here just yet. The weather this week just reminded me to hold off for a little bit longer before we start getting many plants out. So it's all about preparing the ground, getting ready to get those plants out. I then spent the next couple of hours just clearing away a lot of weeds on the hope that we could then get ready to get more plants out. So the brassica beds, for example, we cleared a load of weeds out for those. It's still two of the beds have still got weed suppressor membrane laid down. So once I lift that weed suppressor membrane up, I reckon those beds will be fine. Just add a bit of lime, but those beds will be fine to start planting out our Brussels sprouts and our cabbages that I have at home. Now the asparagus bed. Asparagus has always been a real <laughs> difficult bed to keep clear of weeds. Now I did see that we have started to get some asparagus show itself but it is being smothered out by the weeds so I spent quite a bit of time just trying to clear out these weeds but I've done that last week 
and I know that these weeds will just keep coming back on a mad, absolutely mad basis because they just grow and grow and grow. Particularly the creeping buttercup, which is bad in this area. Now, what I want to do in the next week is go for walks down on the beach and collect some seaweed that has washed up. And then I will bring that down here and mulch these beds with the seaweed. This is something I should have been doing beforehand. I did it last year and what I found is that asparagus really does love the mulch. It really does get along well with the extra salt as well. Using it as a mulch I found to be a really good way of keeping those weeds in check. The salt helps keep the weeds in check as well and also the asparagus grows better. So I'm a bit behind, I'll be honest, I'm a bit behind but I think this is something I've got to do on a pretty much regular basis moving forward. I spoke about this a lot last year. Now I did run around the allotment after all this with a pen and paper and this is something I do quite often. I'm just making a note of all the things that I can see need to be done. Now obviously things like getting the glass in the greenhouse is on that list but also repairing any beds or clearing out any weeds. I do this quite regularly and I just find it helps me better plan for the future in what I want to do. One of the things, of course, and I'm going to be doing this in the next few weeks, is building two new beds on the top half of the plot. This area has, well, I built three beds, the brassica beds, this uh, winter, and I realised I have space for two more beds. And I'm all about, at the moment, trying to make use of the space. In the past, these were growing areas and a path, but I've just decided the extra beds are just going to be make it better and better don't really need such big paths or so many paths because I build beds and paths in between which makes it a lot easier for walking around. So it's now time for me to head on home and I'm going to do something with that rhubarb so keep listening to find out what we've done with that. Well, as we come to the end of this week's episode, I like to share with you a recipe for stewed rhubarb. Now, this, of course, uses the forced rhubarb that I harvested on Saturday, but there's no reason that we can't use any other rhubarb. This is something that we actually make quite often. We, we keep a load of it in the freezer. Stewed rhubarb is great as a base for crumbles if you want to make a crumble in the future. It's also great to have with a bit of yogurt as a bit of a, a pudding, if you like, perhaps with a bit of cream for like a rhubarb full. Or over pancakes for an indulgent breakfast. Great number of uses for stewed rhubarb. So what I've done is I've taken all those rhubarb stalks that I harvested on Saturday. I've cut the leaves off and I've cut the base off. And then I've cut each piece into one inch chunks. I've given them a good wash, of course, and then pot them into a pan with a bit of sugar and a cinnamon stick. And then I've just put the heat onto a medium heat stirring occasionally until all the rhubarb just starts to release its juices and soften. Once we are there, keep stirring it and eventually all the rhubarb stalks, they begin to break down and become a very nice sort of stewed. At this point, add a bit of vanilla extract, turn off the heat and it's almost like a syrupy, a thick syrupy consistency. Take up the cinnamon stick 
and then leave that stewed rhubarb to cool slightly and it can be served straight away or put stored in a fridge and it'll probably last a week in the fridge alternatively freeze it and it probably lasts three months in the freezer so please do go give it a try if you have any rhubarb as i said rhubarb is a vegetable that we will start harvesting a lot of over the coming weeks so i'm always looking for different ways that we can use rhubarb as a, a nice easy way to cook it so please do share any of your recipes well that is it for this week i hope you have enjoyed it if you have enjoyed this show then please do leave us a review on your podcast service leaving us a review goes a long way to helping us get found and i love to hear people's feedbacks if you have really enjoyed this podcast and you would like to help support the podcast keep it moving forward keep it running then please consider becoming a member of our supporters club to be a member of our supporters club, head to the vegetablegrowpodcast.co.uk where you click on the link. I charge £5 a month, but for that £5 a month, you get a collection of seeds sent to your door each and every month that you are a member. Along with that, you also get extra behind-the-scenes podcasts letting you know what's going on here as well as a, a few other things that we add in as well. Now, if you uh, want to get in touch, you can email me, richard at vegetablegrowpodcast.co.uk, or you can leave a voicemail on our website at vegetablegrowpodcast.co.uk. That is always great, I think. It's good to get other people's voices on the podcast. And finally, don't forget to follow me on social media. Just search for the Vegrow Podcast on whatever platform you like to use. We will be back again next time. So until then... Please take care.